Hi there, Monica White, Licensed Mental Health Counselor here. Welcome to Boost Your EQ. This is the podcast where I teach the most important psychology skills you can learn to build abundant, thriving relationships with yourself and the people around you. This episode is Eight Keys to Safe Trauma Recovery based on the well-known book by Babette Rothschild. In this episode, I'll break down the eight take charge strategies to empower your healing, and I'm going to discuss why I recommended this book in the latest Zencare newsletter. There's definitely a lot of good reasons, so keep listening and let's get started. It's currently Sunday morning in January 2020 outside of Boston. Three weeks ago, Molly from Zencare reached out to therapists and asked us to share our top book recommendations for clients in 2020. So it was kind of funny because I saw the email and I didn't think that they were asking me specifically. So I naturally got pretty busy and then a few days later, Molly looped back around and she said, hey, I was just making sure you saw my message below. We'd love to feature your book recommendation on our blog. We'll be sharing it in our newsletter, which has over 10,000 subscribers. So please send your book recommendations and blurb by Wednesday to be included. When I got her second email specifically asking me, I wrote back, oh my, I didn't know this was sent to me specifically. My apologies. I'm going to think over and send over a book rec tonight. Thank you. So that was kind of fun. And I didn't realize that I would actually be um, included in the newsletter. So in last Monday's newsletter on the Zencare blog, that's um, Monday, January 6th, Zencare ended up sending a list of the 2020 book recommendations. And the topic of their blog and in their newsletter is 2020 book recommendations. Nine therapists share their picks for this year's transformative reads. So in the newsletter blog, our contribution was published along with the book cover and link to our Zencare profile and two to five sentence description of the book. I'm actually going to break down the eight keys to safe trauma recovery from the book, but before I do that, I just want to say a little bit about why I recommended this book. There are a couple reasons why I specifically chose this book. So number one, I sort of know the Zencare clientele, the demographic. So most Zencare clients that go to Zencare.co are between the ages of 20 to 40. Now, not everyone. However, that's sort of the general audience. So Zencare is just a really modern directory to find a therapist. And they definitely reach out to younger people, young professionals and college students, graduate students, you know, medical students. Um, So Zencare does really cater to that demographic. So I know that anyone reading the newsletter is probably a younger, um, modern person. So I wanted to recommend a book that was very simple to read and to feel like you know exactly what to do. If you follow me on Instagram at wellbe2go, you know I love simple checklists. So the world of psychology is very complex, and so I try to make everything as simple as possible. So that's another reason why I love this book. Babette coined the phrase that the only goal of trauma recovery should be to improve the person's quality of life. I've always stuck with that phrase, and in fact, I say it several times a week in my job at the hospital. So we want to improve 
the person's quality of life. And so in this book on trauma recovery, Babette is our best advocate. She provides eight simple keys to manage trauma with or without a therapist. And I know why Babette probably says that. So Babette did go through trauma when she was younger and she became a therapist. And so I'm sure she knows that many people heal on their own. So a lot of people don't get to a therapist. You know, they may not have access to one. They may not find a trauma-informed therapist. You know, it's pretty difficult to find a great therapist that can help you work through trauma. However, Babette sort of knows that. That's why she wrote this book. So she came up with eight keys, simple as possible, in order to make it possible for anyone to find a way to recover. The second big reason why I recommended this book is because when I was in graduate school, I worked at an agency for survivors of sexual assault. So I had to come up with a worksheet to give to each client to help them know what to expect. Here's a fact about trauma. Most people have no idea they are going through trauma. Most people are just living their lives regularly and something happens to them outside of their control that causes a trauma reaction. And there's a lot of different types of trauma that can happen, which I won't go into, but the bottom line is most people have no idea that they're developing PTSD. That's post-traumatic stress um, you know, symptoms, right? So that's why I had to label it pretty quickly. So, you know, if a client came in and they were um, going through PTSD, I had to let them know, hey, you know what, this is trauma. And here's a checklist of what you can do to create an emotional safety plan. So I used this book to help people learn how to recover as quickly as possible. I couldn't just say, hey, you need to go get a trauma therapist. That, that is great and that really works, but it is kind of hard to find a trauma-informed clinician that knows exactly how to work with trauma and PTSD. Nowadays, most clinicians should be trauma-informed. They should know how to work with someone who's experiencing a trauma reaction. However, probably 15, 20 years ago, that wasn't so easy. And Babette knows this because I believe she was um, a survivor herself. She did go on to become a trauma-informed clinician and a world expert, but at the time, I'm sure she knew that, hey, you know, people just need a quick, easy way to help themselves, right? So Babette knows this, and I believe she probably went through it herself. That's why she's such a great advocate. All right, so those are the two big reasons why I recommended this book for the newsletter. From my days in graduate school working at agencies, let's fast forward to today. So nowadays, I work at a hospital, and in the past eight years, I ended up becoming a trauma expert and a specialist as well. What does this mean? Well, essentially, I have over 10,000 hours, and... I can diagnose most issues from the DSM and apply them to people so that they can effectively and efficiently get better as quickly as possible. I would say several times a week in the hospital, I get clients that have PTSD. And so PTSD, it's on a spectrum, so it's pretty complicated and there's different types of trauma. Basically, there is CPTSD, that's complex 
PTSD. That's from childhood. So a lot of survivors with CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, they don't realize they have trauma. They'll say, hey, you know what? I'm, I don't have flashbacks. I'm not getting you know, any symptoms. However, I am upset and angry and easily frustrated. So they don't even know they have trauma and that's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. So I work with that regularly. I also get people that have mild PTSD, so just maybe acute stress disorder, or they have, you know, PTSD that's just coming on, and so they don't even realize they're developing a PTSD or a trauma reaction. And it's a spectrum, so it can be mild to more moderate to severe, and most people just have no idea that's what it is. So just giving them a label for their distress or to help them understand what's going on is deeply healing. Then the next thing becomes, what do I do about it? So that's everyone's concern. It, they're like, okay, great. So I have you know, a trauma reaction. Now what do I do? I want it to stop. I want to get better. I don't want to feel like this, right? Okay. So that's where going to a trauma specialist becomes super key. So I'm able to spot trauma really quickly. And in fact, in an hour, I can usually create a plan of action for that person and we can solve most of their concerns. So most people come in and they don't like how they're feeling. It's uncomfortable. It's just stressful. It's, you know, worrisome. Based on their symptoms, I give them the label. Either it's acute stress disorder, so that's within the first six months they start developing trauma symptoms or a trauma reaction, or we give them the label of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. That can be mild, moderate, or severe. And also, I can give them the label of CPTSD, Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. When a person gets the correct diagnosis, they now have a solvable problem. As I always say, once we know and identify the problem, we can find the solution. So as a trauma expert, I can definitely find a solution. I can see the problem and I can map out a plan of action, a plan for strategic development so that we can work through the problem and solve it. So when you get a diagnosis of acute stress disorder or PTSD or even trauma that hasn't developed into you know, a reaction, or you get the complex post-traumatic stress disorder label, then at least you know what to do. So, you know, after I give them a label, then I create an action plan and I give like a reasonable timeline. I'm like, hey, you know what? If you can do, you know, two to eight sessions with me, we can really reframe and, you know, tackle this trauma issue. And the goal is to improve that person's quality of life. It's deeply rewarding work, and the reason is because some people who don't ever get to a therapist, who don't solve this issue, go on decades of their life, you know, suffering when they don't need to. Essentially, if you don't know what the problem is, it's impossible to solve. It's most certainly impossible for one person to solve, especially if they're going through it. And the reason is pretty simple, because for almost 200 years, we didn't know what trauma was. 
It's taken 200 years and tens of thousands of experts and clinicians and therapists and psychiatrists and psychologists to learn how to diagnose trauma and how to help people recover from it. So I'm trained in CPTSD, that's Cognitive Processing Therapy, and it was developed for veterans of war um, by the Veterans Administration. And so it's taken almost 200 years to get to the point where we know exactly how to diagnose, treat trauma, and to get people in recovery and healed as quickly as possible. So with a lot of people, I can actually do targeted trauma treatment. So three to five sessions and a person is really going to know exactly how to manage it and how to move through it as quickly as possible. And I don't want to take it lightly, but I really can spot trauma and create an action plan that improves people's quality of life literally within 60 to 90 minutes. So 60 to 90 minutes of your life with a trauma expert like myself can change the entire course of your life lifetime. So instead of going through life wondering what's wrong with you and feeling bad for something that you had no control over, rather than that, you can actually learn all about trauma and know how to, how to heal from it, how to recover, and literally how to flourish and thrive afterwards. So being a trauma therapist is incredibly rewarding work. It does change lives and it can literally affect the entire course of a lifetime. And so being able to spot it, treat it, you know, recover from it and then move through it and get back to living your best life ever is super incredible and it's totally doable. In a recap... Essentially, I can see trauma on a timeline. So when I get a person, I look to see, is there a mild trauma reaction? Are there symptoms of trauma such as hyperreactivity, um, increased arousal, just hyperstartle response, um, you know, getting frustrated, irritable, upset, easily overwhelmed, right? So I look at those things and I put it on a timeline. So it, you can have symptoms of trauma that are mild, Maybe you're developing acute stress disorder. That's zero to six months after an event. Or people develop PTSD. That's six months and over. So that's anywhere from six months to two years to three to four years after an event. I get a lot of people that are dealing with trauma two years afterwards and they just don't know how to work through it. And also... I can get people that have CPTSD, so that's complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Those are people that have had trauma for probably over five years, so it could be decades ago. It could have been something in their childhood, adolescence, or it could have been 10 to 20 to 30 years ago, and they just didn't get the right treatment and weren't able to work through it. So those are some of the spectrum of trauma issues that I see regularly. If you're anything like me, you find this topic very fascinating and nuanced. So there's a lot of complexity in trauma. However, I just find it to be so inspiring and so interesting, right? So there's a lot of different nuance and complexity in trauma. However, the awesome news is that we do understand it and there is a clear path through it and a way to flourish and thrive. 
So hopefully this conversation is really interesting and inspiring to you and that it's giving you sort of a realistic, sustainable perspective on why it's so important to get it labeled, to diagnose it, to treat it, and to solve it. So it's wonderful when you're able to come out of trauma with a growth and flourishing perspective and mindset. As you can tell, I'm deeply passionate about this subject and I love it so much. So I'm going to get back on track here from Babette Rothschild's book, Eight Keys to Safe Trauma Recovery. Let's go through the eight take charge strategies to empower your healing. As mentioned, it's always great to find a trauma-informed expert and clinician. However, as I mentioned earlier, Babette knows that that's not always possible or necessary. So in her book, she goes through the eight take charge strategies so that you can at least get started on the right track to empower your own healing and recovery. And not to keep rehashing it, if you get to a trauma informed clinician like myself, I can do this in 60 to 90 minutes. However, most people are going to try to do it on their own and that's totally fine. That works as well. So step number one is to plot your course with mindfulness. In episode 16, I discussed general mindfulness. So just why mindfulness is super important in your 20s and 30s to learn how to become aware of yourself and you know how you interact with the world around you. There's a little bit of nuance though with mindfulness in trauma recovery. So the issue is this, that a person suffering from the aftermath of trauma is vulnerable. So their nervous system is off kilter. So anyone that has experienced something that was out of their control is going to have somatic. That means body and mind, so psychological symptoms. And it's confusing, right? Because your body is hyperreactive, it's hyperstartled, it's easily overwhelmed and frustrated. And so mindfulness in trauma is a little bit different than just general mindfulness. So general mindfulness is meditation and learning self-awareness and just becoming generally more aware of your role in the world around you. However, mindfulness for trauma is a little bit different. In Babette's book, she applies mindfulness to trauma recovery. So if that's something you're interested in learning more about, you can find in-depth detail in chapter one of Babette's book. Key number two is begin with your epilogue. You made it. So essentially this is common sense, but when you're going through it, it's not common sense. Essentially it means that you will make it. So I tell people, I give them a sense of perspective. I'm like, the reality is, is that most of us are going to live to be 80 plus years old. So when you're going through trauma, you're on a different timeline. You don't know how to see the future, right? Because you're in the middle of it. So I try to give people a sense of perspective. It's something that is treatable, um, it's manageable, and people do recover completely. Some people recover 100% from trauma and it becomes something that they work through and they managed and they are able to live an even better life, different level of life than before. In a nutshell, basically, Babette says that 
you will survive and so you want to get to the end you want to start from the end which is basically saying that the details and the stuckness are details just that and that a sense of perspective is what's really key so you want to stay optimistic realistic and sustainable because again the reality is is that most people live through a lot of stuff and they get to 80 plus years old so what we're trying to do is improve that person's quality of life as soon as possible bebek has a couple of different exercises so one is creating a new mantra that's hopeful and optimistic, realistic and sustainable. Realistic and sustainable, that's actually my personal motto and mantra. So I use that every day, realistic and sustainable, but you can create your own mantra, anything that works for you. She also has an exercise of writing your timeline. So looking forward at the end and looking backwards so all the celebrations how you recovered what you did with your life all your contributions and connections so she kind of helps create a timeline of it so that you can see towards the future and actually i do this every day in the hospital so i create a timeline many timelines different ones but i always create a timeline so that people can get a sense of perspective you know, a lot of people with in their 20s and 30s are not looking ahead to the future. So they really can't identify, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later down the line. So I try to create um, a timeline so that they can get a sense of perspective and they can see how they're going to recover and what it's going to look like. So we all need to visualize and to work through the end process. So again, you know, you can say, hey, you know, looking at the end, you're going to really do a great job. You're not just going to survive, but you're going to thrive and live your best life possible. And you want to look through how does that look like for you? So for example, you know, I always looked at the end of my life. I thought, you know, okay, 60, 70, 80 years old, I'm going to be having a great time. I'm, this is These are the things I want to do. You know, I want to play golf, I want to have great relationships, I want to have fun in life. So the details of where we get stuck in life are just part of the timeline and they're in there somewhere, but you can create a narrative, an epilogue, and a timeline to where you are living your best life and you're already visualizing that, that manifesting, so to speak. Key number three is remembering is not required. This is why I love Babette Rothschild. So basically, she says the only goal of trauma recovery is to improve a person's quality of life. There's a lot of common sense and intuitiveness to what she's saying. So a lot of times you hear, oh, you got to work through it. You got to go back and look at the details. That's not necessarily true for every person. I, you know, I have to usually evaluate, is this important for somebody to remember the stuck points or the or the details of it it just depends so that's why everyone's case is unique and that's why you want to have a really good safe trusting collaborative relationship with your therapist so oftentimes with my clients I say you know what I don't know if it's really necessary for you to go back and look at the stuck points now, if the stuck points are going to help improve your quality of life, then yes, we do it. So in CPTSD, uh, we do look at stuck points. I know therapists that do EMDR, they do look at some of the areas where people are stuck. So it can be helpful, but as Babette 
says it's not required. There's a lot of reasons why it's not required. Essentially, we don't want to reinforce negative thought loops. So if you don't have um, an expert who can help you through those stuck points, then it's not necessarily helpful to go back and relive some of those negative thought loops. So a lot of times going back and working through negative thought loops, not necessarily helpful. So the key to moving forward is to create new thought loops that are positive, that are healthy, that are creating new and better, um, healthier memories. So that's why it's not so important to go backwards. Again, it's so nuanced and it really depends case by case. And Babette talks about this in detail. And I also agree with this. So a lot of times I'm helping people do the coaching part. So moving forward, looking forward, creating new relationships, new memories, new ability to connect and contribute to themselves and the world around them. There's a lot more I could say about this, but let's just keep going. Key number four is stopping flashbacks. I'm actually not going to get into this subject because that's a whole chapter in the book and it's a little bit complex. So let's just move forward. Key number five is reconcile forgiveness and shame. And that's essential to self-healing. So I'm going to talk about this actually because this one is very, very important. Here is the deal with this. So trauma is linked to shame and self-compassion, self-nurturing, and forgiveness, they all just go hand in hand. So I've never met a survivor who didn't feel bad. The fact of the matter is, is that anyone who has experienced trauma is a person with feelings, and that's a good thing. But the fact of trauma is that it is out of your control. And so everyone who has suffered trauma has issues about control, trust, power, safety, and intimacy because you didn't have any control when it happened. So because it was outside of your control, you may develop some sort of thoughts and thinking and reactions to it that may or may not be very reasonable. Here are some typical examples or classic examples that I hear often that anyone who works with trauma hears very often. And so here are some of the possibilities that you were not able to prevent the trauma. So for example, perhaps you are not old enough, you are not big enough, you are not strong enough, or you are outnumbered. So if you're a child or a teenager or a young adult, you're just not old enough to know how to prevent it or how to even work through it. Or maybe you didn't have the help you needed at the time. So if you were a child and your parents didn't help you, that's an example of a possibility for why you couldn't avoid developing trauma. Another possibility is that you didn't have the support or information or ability to advocate for yourself. So again, we wouldn't expect a child or a teenager or a young adult or anyone in their 20s really to know how to handle trauma. There's a lot more I could say about this, but the last reason, the last possibility why you wouldn't know how to advocate for yourself is quite simply because it's super complex. So again, I've mentioned that it's taken people 200 years and, you know, tens of 
thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of experts to learn what PTSD, what trauma is and what we can do about it and how it affects people, right? So there's literally no way any normal common person can know how to do this alone. As mentioned, PTSD trauma, CPTSD, and mild trauma, like acute stress disorder, those things don't heal by themselves. So you do need to tackle it and work through it because it prevents us from connecting with ourselves and others around us. So we definitely need to know what is going on. We need to label it and we need to talk with a supportive person or supportive people in order to know how to work through the complex like psychological reactions of trust, safety, power, control, and self-esteem that we develop when we've experienced something that was outside of our control. Babette goes into depth talking about um, shame and how that affects survivors. Also, Brene Brown, made the whole topic about shame and empathy and connection very famous and very um, popular. So you can also look into Brene Brown's books. She does touch on the subject a lot because of course she is a therapist also. The way I usually tackle it again is to start at the end. So I give people the checklist and worksheets on self-nurturing, self-compassion, self-love, self-esteem, and self-care. So that's a good place to start if you want to kind of shortcut it all and just to get to the root of healing. So you definitely want to do self-nurturing, you want to build resilience, you want to increase your day-to-day happiness, develop a self-care plan, develop your healthy coping strategies for success, your healthy boundaries, your assertiveness, your positive self-esteem routine and build your emotional health and connect with healthy people who can support you through this. So that's kind of the shortcut that I use. Key number six in Babette's book is take smaller steps for bigger leaps. So you wanna slow things down and break things up into simple checklists. I've discussed in my podcast a few times about setting small, medium-term, and long-term goals. So you want to break things up, set goals, and create timelines. Some people use vision boards. It all works. Vision boards, timelines, checklists, breaking things down into small, measurable routines and goals and daily habits. All of it works. Um, So just sort of um, be creative and think outside the box and decide what works for you. Vision boards aren't my thing, but I know for a lot of people that really, really works for them. I'm definitely a checklist and a timeline sort of person, but all of it works. So just experiment and try with different ways that'll work best for you. Key number seven is find your activity and get moving. So finding your activity, so there's a lot of different types of exercise. There's walking, jogging, weightlifting, Pilates, yoga, um, cycling, anything you can think of, tennis, golf, all kinds of stuff. So trauma is in our body. It's in our mind and in our body, but you can't work through it if you're not moving your body. And so Babette knows this. A lot of people don't move their body, but you really do need to establish an exercise routine. So walking meditation is a really double time helpful way to work through trauma. 
And it doesn't matter what your activity is. It's something that you like. It could be gardening. It could be anything that involves physical strength and exertion. Yoga is probably the easiest place to start. So yoga gets your body moving. It also helps you practice meditation, self-awareness, and you're doing it in a, in a class. So you have a guide and instructor who's guiding you through it. So it's a very safe place to learn how to move your body. And another added effect of yoga is you're in a class with people. Um, so you're around people, but you don't have to socialize. So you don't have that extra added layer of anxiety and trying to overwhelm yourself by socializing with people and talk about yourself, you don't have that in a yoga class. So yoga class is a very safe place to move your body, help yourself move through trauma in a class with people, with an instructor, where you don't have to talk about yourself. You can just be in a space with people doing something that's very healthy and moving your body in a very healthy, positive way. So, you know, again, just find an activity that works for you. It's very personal, um, so there's a lot of different options, but just find something that helps your body keep moving. The last key is to make lemonade. So it's that whole saying, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. How do you know when you're ready to make lemonade? So Babette talks about this, and she says it's a little tricky to answer the question. So like everything else, it's very individual, based on your circumstances, your needs, and your body. Some safe ways to connect with yourself and with others can be, for example, helping somebody else. A lot of times we recover and we connect with people when we're helping someone else. So you can volunteer, um, maybe at the botanical gardens or at the library or museum. You can give back to other people in your community. So there's a lot of different ways you can help someone else and that kind of helps you reframe and um, work on healing and recovering. Technically, that's the whole role of support groups and self-help groups. So, you know, maybe you want to start a support group or lead a support group or a self-help group. So connecting with others by sharing and giving back is a good way to recover efficiently and to get yourself into a growth post-flourishing and um, healthy state of being. Again, the only goal of trauma recovery is to improve the person's quality of life. So whatever works, take that, use it, and leave the rest. So that's it. Those are Babette Rothschild's eight keys to safe trauma recovery. I went through her eight take charge strategies to empower your healing. Again, you don't have to do all of them. Maybe you just want to have one or two strategies. And so it's really personal. Again, take what works, leave the rest. There's no linear process. Um, for most people, it's a combination of using all these strategies in order to create a plan of action and a strategy that works for each person individually. How do you know when you're recovered? That's a great question. The measure of your success is 100% determined by you. When you feel adequately improved, when your day-to-day -day functioning is as you want it, when you feel like you have the ability to live your best life, to have a level of balance in your life, then you may feel like you're recovered. 
and you're healed. Hopefully you find this helpful and interesting. And if again, if you're anything like me, you may find it really inspiring and hopeful and filled with a realistic and sustainable perspective. So that's all for today. So much more could be said about this subject. It's a really, really big field. Um, I do love it. It's super complex and it's unique for every single person. So I will see you in the next episode and have a good weekend, friends, and take care.